0: Start spreading the news, I'm leaving today, I just want to be a part of it, MLS Cup. It's the Week in the Tackle podcast. Hi everybody, it's me Tom Rennie, but not this week. Brian Dunsteth, or at least in this section of the programme, because Dunny has been grafting away for the MLS season, officially over with New York champions. And so he's gone away on holiday. Now, he may well send us something in from his holiday, but this happens to me as well. When I go away, and I'm working on various shows, and I always say to people, oh, yeah, I'll do something for you. Like, I used to present a program where I used to do a song in the shows. And when people were covering me on holiday, they were like, oh, why don't you send us a song? It won't make sense if like we're singing songs on your feature. So record us a song and send it. And I basically had to say to my wife, I'm just going to pop back to the room for a few minutes. And she went, you're not going to work, are you? And I was like, no, 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 babe. No, no, no. Just going to pop back to the room for a few minutes. You know, um, whatever. Anyway, I went back to the room and I wrote a little ditty about Gareth Bale set to um, the song Bump and Grind. Um, It was a whole thing. The, the, The feature was called Chant to Anything. It's a great feature. If I ever get a, a daily program again, it's coming back on a, in a big way. And uh, she caught me in the bedroom, basically, on my own, singing into my phone, ain't nothing wrong with, the, and, you know, with some Gareth bowe theme lyrics. And so um, I know how much trouble one can get in with one significant other on a holiday when you said you won't work and then you think, oh, it's just a bit of work. But of course, it's work and you're meant to be with me by the pool, you know, you work every weekend. Can I have this week, please? So we may have something from Dunny. If we do get it, it might lead to divorce. We don't know. But I'm happy to say our friend Tim Horsey, producer, extraordinaire, and NFL podcast presenter. I don't know what it means either. And he is here. He's going to do some some hot mic work today. How are you, Tim? You okay?
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah. For I work on, what, two shows with you. And mm-hmm. I know that whenever you go on vacation at this point, I I can't get a hold of you. There's just, there's, if I need something from Tom, it has to be done by five o'clock before his vacation starts, or that phone is getting thrown in the garbage and (laughs) there's no way I'm contacting him ever again. So, you have to, right?
0: This is what you have to to do. You're similar, right? You work at weird hours often at home. And so, like when it's 8 p.m. and you're on holiday the next day, you just got to shut it down. It's off. It's over. Don't call me.
1: It's funny you say that because I think I learned that in the pandemic where it's, now that you know, we have the in-studio setup, I have the jerseys behind me, just like you, uh, looking very nice in this you know, makeshift studio we have. At some point, the laptop has to be closed, because if not, I'm going to be sitting here all night trying to work on stuff, dealing with you, dealing with Tommy, Rodney, whoever it is. But at some point, you just got to like, shut it down, close it off. You can deal with it in the morning.
0: We should mention at the top of the program, um, I was working on Norwich Man United on Saturday, and so I couldn't watch MLS Cup Final Live which I was disappointed about because I, I did intend to watch it if I could. Um, I know the coverage is great on Sirius XMFC uh, with Joe and everybody. And I'm sure everyone had a great time there as well in Portland, uh, Providence Park. Um, but I was watching it on a channel over here called Free Sport. So I was recording it. It's like a subsidiary of Premier Sports where they put some stuff on for free. So I'm sure it did quite good numbers as well. That's where I watched Dunny in commentary uh, whenever Salt Lake are up and i was like you know what it's so late i got home late and i thought sunday morning i'll get up nice and early my trip to brighton tottenham got cancelled so i'll watch it so i've recorded it but of course it goes through extra time and penalties so i watched the game which i thought was fantastic you know i love the end of the game i love that keeper goes up for portland his awful pass out to the far side (laughs) which pretty much should have cost them um goes out and then they get it back again they score that brilliant late goal wonderful drama all of that, and I'm like, right, okay, set for extra time. I knew who won, but I'm watching the whole thing. Uh, but, of course, it goes through extra time, and my recorder hasn't added it. It's gone, oh, the show finishes at such and such a time. <laughs> so I've just got some popcorn in. I'm getting ready to watch it. Recording ends. And that's it. Couldn't watch the whole thing. So I've seen the penalties, which were massively atrocious. Yeah. Um, I saw the drama of the end. I thought it was a really interesting game of football, not high on quality, but finals never are. They never are. But I mean, Tim, you obviously watch more than me and we'll hopefully have something from Danny on this as well. But it just delivers drama, MLS Cup final, doesn't it? Like every year it delivers drama, delivers something that's, you know, clippable. It's clippable, it's spreadable. And that night, I mean, it's literally 20 seconds remaining when the Timbers pull it back, you know, and the commentator was like, fire up the chainsaw, which I thought was brilliant. It was such a good line and it's, it can only work with one team, but New York win it in the end, New York win it. And, and that's kind of, I suppose, what MLS probably would have wanted.
1: It's tough. I, I couldn't tell you what they would would have wanted. I mean, the, the market and the story, it's their first ever MLS cup. This team who, you know, was kind of built from the Manchester city football group in that likeness had the superstars come in the Frank Lampards, the Andrea Perlos, what have you, they kind of move away from that. The David Villas as well, who was actually good for them, unlike Andrea Perillo and Frank Lampard. Um, And they kind of move away from that, more of a workman-like team, and it ends up being a success. I think that they probably would have chosen, if I had to get in the brain of the execs, probably Portland, only because that atmosphere there is incredible. Mm. That's one of those places that, as an American soccer fan, you want to check off the list and go to a game, a big game there at Providence Park at one point. And I'm sure the team and we'll we'll hear it on the air uh, throughout the week here on Sirius XMFC how how it was it, to be there in person. We'll hear from Tony uh, Joe as well, who are on the call, Jason, Chris Wondolowski, who were there for some pre and post. Um, and this is and I know you and Neil Barnett on the football show always uh, kind of slags off the playoff format. Us as Americans, we are used to it because all of our sports have it. This is what makes play, the playoffs great. It might not be the best team that always wins, and that—that's the big caveat there. But you gotta love the do-or-die
0: mentality that it always has. I don't hate the format as much as you just seem to have too many trophies. So the league, in the end, doesn't mean a great deal, which I think is dumb. You've got—you want the league, which is the main thing, to really matter. Being a champion of it has got to matter. I know there's the shield and all that, but really, it's more of a oh, good, you qualified in first for cup. And you're a bit like, no, I want, the, I want the league. We're the league champions. You know, this should mean something. So that annoys me, which is why there's always going to be the relegation debate and why it's never going to come in because MLS Cup in the end is brilliant. Then you've got the whole you win your region knockout element of it. So both these two are celebrating a trophy four days ago before the final. You won nothing. You didn't win anything. You don't get a trophy to win the semifinal. It's bollocks. Like it doesn't make any sense. And people watch it and they're like, What? Why did you why do you get like a shield, then a trophy, and then the other cup? Like, no, have the league and have the cup and make them actually matter. You've got five, no, you're four champions, two league winners, two, two conference cup winners, and then the actual cup. It's well, just it's baffling.
1: That's fair. And I think this and this is this is me speculating, I will admit, but I feel like this the supporters shield, which you win if you win the the regular season, if you win the league, as you say, came out of this idea that we need to be more like Europe or need to be more like the Brits when it comes to having some sort of trophy to recognize the regular season. They do it in in the National Hockey League as well. Uh, There is a uh, I believe it's called the President's Trophy is if you win the regular season. But nobody cares. I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing you talk about the conference too. If you ask a Portland Timbers fan who, and they have won MLS Cup before, they, you know, a a, a storied franchise in Major League Soccer, you would say, I'm pretty sure every Portland Timbers fan this morning is waking up saying, we don't give a toss that we are the Western Conference champions. It doesn't matter to us at all.
0: Yeah, it's a a cultural shift that's not going to happen. It's good it's not going to happen. You're not meant to be satisfying me. Uh, but I will continue to say it doesn't make any sense to me. But it doesn't make sense to me like in Scotland where they split the league up because they realise they need two good teams in it and they want to get Rangers and Celtic to play each other 400 times as opposed to, you know, give some money to make Aberdeen good. No, forget that. Let's have the old firm every 20 minutes, you know. It just, it, just, it just seems to me like you should have a league and a cup and that's it. Otherwise, basically, eight months doesn't really matter. You're just trying to qualify. You Basically, your entire season is Champions League group stage. Followed by a brief (laughs) knockout. It just seems a bit odd. I do want to talk about penalties briefly because in this Premier League weekend, which I was a part of, um, there was a lot of penalties. On the Saturday, there were six penalties scored in the Premier League, the most on a single day since 2011. I think most of them were penalties, actually. The only one that I wouldn't have given was the one Man City Wolves because that was a joke. Complete joke. So Cross comes in the right-hand side and the right arm of Giamatinio goes up. Now, that puts his arm in an unnatural position. Fine. That means it's a penalty. However, the rule says this. It's not an offense if the ball touches a player's hand or arm directly from the player's own head or body, including the foot. So in the rules, if it hits the opposition player and then hits the arm in an unnatural position, it's a penalty. This cross, I'm still not convinced it actually hits him on the arm at all from the replays that I've seen. I can see where the referee on the field, John Moss, gave it, fine. But it hits Martinho on the side, may ricochet off the underarm, but it certainly doesn't hit the arm first. It doesn't meet the criteria. The basic written criteria, it's not an offense if the ball touches a player's hand or arm from their own body. That is the rule. I just read it to you. It's obvious. There's very little room for wiggle. And they gave the penalty on VAR. A bloke watching that on screen, I think it was Andre Mariner, saw that, knows the rules inherently for their job, and still gave it. There's no way on God's sweet own earth that that was a penalty, a handball. It simply didn't meet the criteria. You couple that with the fact that John Moss sent off Raul Jimenez because he started to look and now act like Eric Cartman. Utterly unacceptable. I respect my authority read. The the first yellow is stupid, right? Because Raul Jimenez slides in, tackles the ball, bit scruffy, but he gets it because the Man City fans are like, book him, book him, because there'd been some tackles earlier for City players they were getting booked for. And so they were like, book him. So the crowd pressurizes him to give the first booking. From that point, Jimenez is stupid, right? He's stupid. But how many times do you see players do that and not get booked? Or they they try and stop the free kick? You know, Seamus Coleman in the game between Palace and Everton, tries to blast it against the bloke in front of him to get him booked. It goes for his legs and it goes on to be Palace's third goal. So Coleman kind of shoots himself in the foot. But if he hits the opposition player, it's a yellow card for that player or a free kick. You see it all the time. It was stupid from the Mexican forward, but he shouldn't have been booked at that point anyway. And John Mosh, I just think referees, you know, we know they play the occasion and not just the game. And the occasion was, i booked him here a bit controversially. Have a word. Don't be an idiot. Uh, But he was. And everyone has gone, yeah, what could he do? Well, he could have just been like, Raul, Raul. Hey, don't make me do it. Don't make me do it. And when you consider how many times in Man City games Fernandinho should have been booked over the years, like I used to count them. Eight, nine, ten fouls where he eventually got one. John Moss would have refereed those games and not given him a yellow. And here he was like, well, letter of the law, isn't it? What could I do? And if he goes to the letter of the law, then he forgot the... law later when this handball happened because he earlier on he's all about the letter of the law later on they forget it they throw the rule book out the window it was so bad that handball decision john moss will be in charge of formula one races next year in order to stripe up lewis hamilton just like the race director did in do you know what it's a football podcast but verstappen is only world champion in name team mercedes team hamilton not team moss
1: this is like me talking National Football League, which you want to talk about horrendous referees. It's the same thing. I, you've completely lost me with the F1. Oh,
0: I don't watch the old Formula One. It's sport, not transport. If I wanted to watch traffic, I'd sit in the M25. But I did watch the last race this weekend. and They're going mad about it over here. That'll, yeah, just, saw- that'll Twitter- just really boil some people, that comment. <laughs>
1: Twitter was blowing up and I just, you know, like most of the stuff on Twitter, I just couldn't follow it and had no idea what was going on. You start this whole rant and Tom, I admit I'm I'm wearing the Liverpool hat as we're talking. I thought you were going to go rant against my boy Mo Salah again because it probably was a penalty in the Liverpool game against Aston Villa and Steven Gerrard's glorious return singing his name, which I think is a load of bollocks. But, you know, I think that's Mm. something we can talk about. At a later time as well. What did you make of the Salah penalty? Because even with my red tinted glasses, I would, I I heard, immediately heard your voice ranting on Tuesday's Grumpy Pundits about Salah being a diver. He loves going to ground too early. No, Salah is a
0: diver. Salah is a diver, but we have accepted diving as as part of the game, right? So a lot of the penalties were dives this weekend, but I think the Salah one was a penalty because he cuts across Mings. Mings then tries to put a tackle in, which he shouldn't. Seller takes a dive and gets the penalty, but that's a penalty. The moment Tyrone Mings goes in to win a tackle and doesn't touch the football is a dive. There's no reason for us to to change what words mean, but it's the accepted dive that you always get in this day and age. That's a penalty. I mean, go through the weekend. I thought they were all penalties in Chelsea Leeds. Uh, Alonso fouled James. That's a penalty. Rafinha fouled Rudiger. That's a penalty. Click fouled Rudiger. That's a penalty. All pretty similar. The offensive player puts his body in the way and the defensive player kicks him. These are penalties. Certainly the two Rudiger ones were like that. Um, the the Alonso one a bit more controversial, but I think that's a penalty. Um, it was a penalty in the game between Norwich and Manchester United. It was clear that one guy was 36 and has played 8 million games in Ronaldo. And one of them was 21 in Max Aarons and he got completely mugged by it. It was a clear penalty. The Leicester-Newcastle one is controversial, but that was very similar to Salah. Madison is diving before the contact is made. But the moment Lascelles leaves his foot, any way away from his body it's going to be a penalty is it a dive from madison yes do i like that sort of thing no but do you get it in this day and age absolutely then we take a little trip to turf on sunday where craig dawson england's finest defender british beresi is running out to the sideline after a corner to chase a loose ball and he's trying to defend the ball from going out because uh, he wants a corner dwight mcneil of burnley swipes his leg away Now, Dawson is running across him in the same way that Madison did, the same way Salah did, and McNeil takes him out, and Graham Scott, the referee, is like, yeah, no penalty. The VAR looks at it. There's not strong enough evidence to overturn it. It's a clear penalty. If all the others are penalties, that is a penalty. And look this weekend. Liverpool won because of penalties. Man United won because of a penalty. Man City won because of a penalty. Chelsea won because of penalties. All the top four won because of penalties. Leicester, big team against the crap team. One, because of the first goal. It's a penalty. West Ham have got it. And they're like, no, no penalty. That's a penalty for Mo Salah. If that's Salah and not Craig Dawson, Craig Barese, that's a penalty. But they don't want to give it. They didn't want to give it. Look, West Ham weren't great at the weekend, but they should have got a penalty in that game and didn't get it. And this goes to what I'm always telling you and Danny and everyone on this podcast, the var za We need the var za That means there's one var za He sits there in one seat, hopefully a throne, and he watches every single game, and it's one individual arbiter of what a penalty is and what a foul is, so we don't get differing opinions. We want consistency, say the ex-players and pundits. Well, you get consistency by having the same person making the decisions. So we should go to the Vazar, like the Games Master, now played by Trevor MacDonald, UK TV fans, taken over from Sir Patrick Merle, God bless him. Uh, very specific reference. Americans won't get that, but Google what? it, you'll love it. You're gonna love that. Um, okay. go to the games master, go to the czar and say, is that a foul or not? Because if we did, we'd have got all penalties this weekend. But because the the Burnley a VAR person was different to the Liverpool one one's a penalty and one's not gotta be one person that's how you get consistency West Ham were robbed because we don't have the VARs up
1: someone's getting nervous someone's getting nervous all week in the tackle all grumpy pundits all season long Thomas, top four West Ham David Moyes is high flying hammers they're making the Champions League it's now a one point gap between them and Manchester United full slate of Premier League games on Sirius XMFC this weekend, including Arsenal-West Ham on Wednesday. Tom, it, it sounds like you're getting nervous, buddy. That's all I can hear.
0: Uh, no, that isn't yes. what's happening. And if you listen to Grumpy Pundits on a Friday on the Dumpster Fire program, you'll note that West Ham aren't even in my top four when it comes to, to our score predictions. You should. It's a great show. Badly produced, but a very, very good program. Uh, and they're actually fifth in my table, which is actually worse than they really are in reality. But they did get robbed at the weekend, and that may matter in the long run. Um, but you know, I'm over it. We move on. That's fine. So Dunny isn't here this week, unfortunately for us, he is on holiday well-deserved, but that doesn't mean he's not in today's program because a few days ago before he left on his holidays, should we stop saying holidays in case his house gets robbed and it's our fault? This is a very popular podcast. I don't know. Anyway, um, it, he hasn't got any stuff. He's got nothing worth stealing. You know, it's an I'm, empty but, house.
1: Don't go there. Empty it's house. An em,
0: it's an empty house, and the TVs have got those big backs, you know, like the 90s. It, it, not worth robbing him. Anyway, um, he's away, but we did record a few days ago a lengthy listener mailbag, questions sent in by listeners to the Week in the Tackle podcast, Sirius XMFC, um, for us to answer. So this is me and Danny from a few days ago with the Week in the Tackle mailbag. Well, thanks, me. You sound a lot better this week. Is the laryngitis gone. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so that was this week's sort of review of the weekend. But Dunny, as you heard at the top of the program, is on holiday right now. But he's also with me now hmm. in this whole Time Slides episode of Week in the Tackle. Um, what we've done to fill this holiday void, because as you heard in the last podcast, the wife and Dunny not getting on so great, um he also picked a favorite kid in the last show so who knows how the holiday's going um so we've done a listener mailbag so we've asked our listeners on twitter people we know friends and family people from sirius XMFC, to pose some questions to us uh, through the conduit of tim who's our co-host for this week our regular producer uh, and also celebrity nfl podcaster any uh, spare time any spare time we can't i mean we can't it's probably more successful than this show um but he's going to ask, ask us some of the questions that people mm. have posed. Uh, Tim, t- take it away. Give us some questions. And did we think of a theme tune for Listener Mail bang? actually? When well, are we going to try and work on one? I can't well, sing this week.
1: That, that's the problem. If you could sing this week, I was just going to let you handle it because you are so good at the Muzak. But we do not have one quite yet. We'll figure okay. it out uh, down the line. And just to, to clarify one thing, my NFL podcast is... Definitely not more successful than this one. I think we have about five people to listen to Week in the Tackle. I think my grandmother is the only person that mm. listens to Pod like Sweet woman.
2: So, Sweet, yes. deranged woman. Beautiful yes. woman.
1: Yep. Exactly. All right. Let's start with uh, Warren here on Twitter. I love this one. Um, and he even edited his own cussing in this, which I appreciate. So I'm going to do the same thing because I edit this podcast. Regardless of level of play, who could pull off the most S Housery, Brian Dunseth or Tom Rennie?
2: Ooh. <laughs> oh i i have a feeling that tom rennie could probably pull off a little bit more than me although if we were on the field rennie Mm. i can tell you what i would do to you number one you would get a flying taco have you do you know what a flying taco
0: is um i think it's illegal in 48 states
2: It, it is because as we would go if we were both challenging for a header Mm. I would put my forearm right in the wrinkle of your neck, and your head and your neck and your back would form the taco, and this right here, my forearm, would be the meat right in between. So I'd give you a flying taco. Then if I was marking you, Mm. I would either pinch your back fat or I would move you around with my thumb in your kidneys. I think you're making quite the assumption on back fat. And then finally... As we were marking each other, I would dig my thumbs into your
0: riblets Mm. and make sure you did not get away from me. See, I'm not surprised to hear this because you seem like an utter bastard. And so I'm not surprised that these are the things you would do, because that wouldn't even come to me because I am a very forthright and honest person. Okay. So I think the answer is you because you're like a sneaky, sort of devious Mm. sort of character. Mm. You know, people who wear hats. On a regular basis, you can't trust them. Flat bills. You can't trust them because you know you can all you can you can. I only wear a hat because of the conditions in England because <laughs> I've got no air, so I need it for like <laughs> practicality. There's no reason for you to wear a hat, which means you're hiding something, mm. devious, mm. devious, yeah. That's I kind of people that wear sunglasses inside. Why? Because they've been crying because they're shamed of their deviousness. Uh, but I, I think the answer is you. And also, you've you played at a very high level. I mean, I played, uh, you know, like, ev- like every sports journalist, until they realised they literally couldn't do any better. <laughs> you know? So through, like, the good, like, we were top of our like, kind of local leagues and county leagues, and like county-level player, you know, whatever that is, the equivalent in America. But no better than that. When my team became a semi-pro team, uh, I quit, because it was just too hard. Mm-hmm. And it is incredibly hard, you know? Um, so I couldn't go any further. Plus, you know, you'll have to edit this, Tim, but uh, so, <laughs> see, people won't know what I said there, but I mean that's what happened.
2: <laughs> it it um, was worth the bleep. It was worth yeah. the bleep.
0: Um, so that's why I had to quit. Um, but I just didn't. I, what happened was at these levels is it was more like a just straight punch up. Mm. Like it wasn't really like a, an outhouse because outhousery at the elite level happens because you can get away with these acting manipulations. Yeah, like if you're playing for one like a team in Essex. And you do some sort of dive. What happens is the bloke picks you up by the scruff and neck can punch you in the face.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, and that's you honestly can't do that, the
0: deviousness. You get a hit.
2: It's one of the reasons why I don't play anymore because everybody's trying to fight. Like I love going out and playing indoor and playing with my friend. Like I just got invited to go play in the over forty league down in Las Vegas.
0: Yeah. I'm more fights. My
2: body won't hold up, and I don't feel like. Punching somebody. I don't want to lose everything because yeah. some guy's being a complete idiot and lining yeah. me up.
0: So. It's true. Like I mean, I, I I play like a vets league, and uh I like playing. But then when the when the younguns come, so it's over thirties, and I'm like mm. thirty five, and it goes up to like fifty year olds who play, and we play, and it's good fun. But then like one of the younguns set up, and start kicking you, and you're like, oh mate, come on, mate. I'm mate, trying not to be fat here. I don't care about this. I don't yeah. have back fat, yeah. but there's a lot of front fat. Oh. And so I'm just here for the run hmm. so like stop kicking me please yeah. and they're like oh next goal wins it's like I don't even know what the score is you prick
1: <laughs> what a way to start our listener mailbag special very detailed answer That's from the boat yeah.
0: yes this one many, this one will probably how many questions out there
1: <laughs> yeah well uh, as usual on week in the tackle we're probably going to go a bit long here this one probably a bit shorter this comes from Chris simply is Tammy the best Abraham since Lincoln
2: <laughs> oh mean that that <laughs> there's so many layers famous tammies one.
0: are there fa- are, how many famous tammies can you name
2: or abraham's um, yeah good uh, point Tim abraham tammy 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 uh what is it jim jim uh what was jim and tammy Tim, jim and tammy the ones that were uh christian that were stealing all the money and he was sleeping around on the side uh tim's looking at me like please what? baby wow. jesus don't go That's, further
0: are these your neighbors jim and tammy i gotta look this up while we're here I hope they don't play this show in your street but you just outed jim and tammy baker jim and tammy baker
2: i
1: don't know these people
2: you, oh the uh they the, oh yeah i'm gonna send this to you this wikipedia jim and tammy baker the but PTL it's, it's the
1: most famous abraham though the most famous abraham since lincoln is tammy the most famous abraham
0: since lincoln yes so. but i mean i don't have an abraham story but i do know that in the lakeside shopping center uh which is very much uh what, this is the, the old joke is, what is an Essex girl's favourite wine? And it's, I want to go to Lakeside. That's the joke, <laughs> uh, right? And because uh, <laughs> everyone shops at Lakeside, with apologies to all Essex women. Uh, I am married to one, and my mother is one, and I apologise. Uh, but that's the joke. Anyway, um, there was a shop in the Lakeside Shopping Centre when I was growing up, where we went most Saturdays. Uh, you know, Dad went to the football, and if I wasn't going, we'd go to, we to shops. And there was a shop called Tammy Girl. Mm. and Tammy girl was the shop that everybody bought their clothes in. all the girls and my sister's a couple of years older than me. And so what would happen is all the mums of Essex would take their kids to Tammy girl to buy clothes at the weekend. You know, you've got 20 pound budget and in that budget, you can get like free tops and a necklace, you know, that's what all the kids were wearing. We're young, you know, we're like 10 yeah. So. Yeah. and um, I spent most Saturdays sitting on a chair with the dads and brothers inside Tammy girl waiting for all the girls to pick out their outfits for the weekend. Um, Hmm. That's my only memory of that. That's what Tammy sparked. I can't think of any famous Abrahams. I can't think of one. So yes, is the answer. All right. Fair enough.
1: Uh, I want to get this one in here because I'm not sure. uh, We don't know what our Christmas schedule holiday schedule is like quite yet. I do know
0: that Christmas day is the 25th.
1: Oh, thank you, Tom. I didn't actually didn't know that yet. So that's good. Um, and so you don't just, have
0: Boxing Day, do you? You don't have Boxing Day in America. We don't. No, nope. no. I mean, we'll, will we? We, we have Margie, Christmas we're Eve. Listening.
2: Yeah, we have we'll, Christmas Eve.
0: Do you have it off work, Christmas Eve? Is that like not, a national holiday?
2: Not everybody. Depends. Yeah, yeah depends usually. on your on
0: your state. T- maybe, Tim, Tim
2: will. I don't know if I will.
0: Because we yeah, don't. We, we don't get it off. We get um, Boxing Day off, apart from me, because I do the football. Boxing Day is twenty-six,
2: that. right? Yes, Correct. yes. Okay.
0: And in um, it's so named after um. In Victorian times, they used to re-box presents. And so you would have, it's all all of Christmas in England is basically a Victorian invention, including like um, lights on the tree and all that sort of stuff, Um, all a Victorian thing. And Boxing Day is about reusing and repackaging the boxes and presents and giving them to like your staff and servants Mm -hmm. and things like that. So Boxing Day, but in Ireland, it's like, I think St. Swithin's Day. I'd have to double check that, but it's like they have their own holiday. So when I speak to my Irish colleagues who also work with us, they take a commentary as well that also goes on SiriusXMFC. And I'm like, oh yeah, what about your Boxing Day game? And just like when I speak to America, they're utterly clueless about what I'm yeah. talking about. No I idea. assume everyone knows what it is, but no one does. No,
1: and no shameless plug here, you can listen to all the Premier League Boxing Day matches on SiriusXMFC 157 while you're laying around or if you're working, who knows? Anyway. And if I
0: have a voice, I will be doing one of them. I don't know which one yet. As a possibility I might be uh, very, very busy on Boxing Day because <laughs> nobody <laughs> wants to work because it's a holiday anyway. So
1: if you need more, Tom, because, you know, who doesn't at this point? But Melissa yes. asks a christmas theme question here. What do you like to drink at Christmas that you don't have any other time of year?
0: Oh, ooh. Fabulous. Ooh, fabulous ooh, question. Ooh.
2: Um, I, I, unless I'm sick, I do hotty toddies. I, I do a little Gentleman Jack with a tea. And a little bit of Wait, uh, a little bit of lemon.
0: I, you need to Can never had to toddy. No, I don't know like
2: Yeah, so you you take whatever your bourbon, your rye, whatever you want. You ma- you make a tea. Just leave leave enough room for copious amounts of brown, and then you add lemon. You have your tea bag, and then you put in honey. And then you just let it you just let it sit there, and the bourbon itself kind of like warms your soul up out here. It's going to be hopefully snowing. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of like a hot. I felt like I could morning. have
0: used that this week with, without my voice. Well, you
2: were talking about that you were having you had bourbon, and it's first. I've been I drinking of. a
0: lot of like straight bourbon, but I don't. Yeah, no. I didn't know you could make it hot.
2: Put it, put it, put it in your tea. You know, boil yeah, up your water. Okay. Put it, put the put your tea bag in or whatever you're using. Uh, leave a little bit of room. Put a slice of of lemon, and leave the peel inside. Then put honey, and then put copious amounts of brown in there, and Amazing. you got something
0: called a hottie toddy. I love it. And you have them. Is this a Christmas done thing? It's more of
2: like, yeah, it's a winter thing. Week- weekend thing but yeah, we do it on, we do it on Christmas morning just to get the old spirit going.
0: Do you know what I have? And I have this every year and people think I'm super odd, but in my, my family, it's quite common at Christmas, but no one else in my family does it mm. is on Christmas day. Every year I will drink an entire bottle of Advocar. What's just- that? I, I, it's horror. It's horrible for 364 days a year, but for that one day, I wake up and have advocar and I drink it all day. It is a yellow drink. It's like thick yellow. It looks like custard. It's got a custard consistency. It's a rich and creamy custard. So, like a uh, yogurt
2: dish, like a yogurt drink?
0: No, it's it's not yogurty. I mean, it's it's like a thin custard, huh. and. It's, it's it's something you can... So people make snowballs with it. You Do you have a snowball? So uh, it's like a, a a ball of ice, Advocar, and then you might put like brandy or vodka huh. or another spirit in it. And it's made of like, it's like egg. It's like an egg drink. Okay. So, so Tom, to, yes, go on. Do you
1: have eggnog in the UK? Because that, that no. seems like just... So add, it's add an eggnog. Quick, it yeah. looks like a, it looks sort of like an eggnog, which is what we do over in the U.S.
0: Yeah, I, I, no, I know I that I know I eggnog from movies. Don't throw me in with
1: you heathens! Me. I do not do. Oh, eggnog. me neither. That's, that's me neither. That's the other thing in
0: the world. Okay, okay. But it's um, I, I just love it on Christmas Day. I just love it, and I mix it with lemonade or cream soda, and it's like, uh, like twenty-cut bomb lemonade, twenty percent proof. So-
2: oh yeah, oh, so but it does I, have um, alcohol in
0: it. It has. Yes, it's like twenty percent proof. Yes, it's quite. It's 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 not strong. But if you drink a liter of it, yeah, yeah. as I feeling. intend to, you, you, you want to be nicely buzzed across the day. So advocat is what I like to have do, on one day. But, so, I, I, but it, it, the next day, I won't touch it. So if I haven't drunk the bottle, I will not yeah. touch it again to the next day. But I'll wake up with one on Christmas Day.
2: Is there a food? So for like on Christmas Eve, we made it a family tradition to do crab legs. Like, we'll boil some crab legs, and that's like our, our Christmas Eve dinner with our boys. You'll boil
0: crab legs? Yeah, I yeah, didn't even yeah. know this was a thing.
2: Yeah, no, you, it's, well, that's how you eat crab. You boil it.
0: I thought, I, this that's is new you, information to me. We don't <laughs> eat crab here. I don't know what you're talking well, about. I mean,
2: you can't, you can't, I mean, you can rip it and just eat it out of the ocean in the water if yeah. you want to, but we put it in boiling pot. We go get crab legs. That's like our thing for Christmas. So you, got, you have, you have some lemon well, you have is some this is this a butter. christmas
0: thing or is it a location uh, thing no no you it's, not, so, you it's crabs where a you can, are can you yeah well we got costco bro you get crabs the next day no i don't mean costco you prick i mean yeah. like no, in crabs. utah there's no water in utah it's-
2: oh no but you got to remember we're a major hub so like we get our sushi the day of like the day it comes out of the water in asia japan any of that area like our friends own the sushi shop it's on the plane that morning that it's in the facility where they're cutting it up and they're shipping it. It's literally on the plane and here the same day. So the same day it's out of the water is the same day it's on the plate in Utah. But,
0: so we're but a wouldn't, huge you, wouldn't you want... How comes you did that and not a more like... What's a Utah... What would be a Utah Christmas tradition?
2: Um, Food. Oh, see, I don't know. Um, I mean, we have... We, like, if there's a funeral, it's called funeral potatoes. Um. Oh, here's something to look up. Are you in front of your? If you're, yeah. are you in front of your computer? Maybe. Here's something for. You. I want you to look up Rocky Mountain oysters. Go ahead okay. and look up Rocky
1: Mountain oysters. This All the not- listeners at home can do this as well yes. if they would. Like, Sorry, is this? They don't know
0: already. Is this um, Rocky is this Mountain get me oysters? From using the work Wi-Fi, my
2: Rocky Mountain oysters yeah. is a dish made of bull testicles.
0: Oh, sweet Lord.
2: Bull testicles, often deep fried after being skinned, coated in flour, pepper and salt, and sometimes even pounded flat. A Rocky Mountain oyster, also known as bull testicles, is a delicacy most often served as an appetizer.
0: This is why I'm a vegetarian. And (laughs) to be honest, when you're eating bull testicles, just have some fucking broccoli. All right. Just have some broccoli. You've gone too far. If the choice is between a cauliflower and the testicles of an oxen, I would suggest you've gone too far. That's just yeah. that's just my view on it. Uh, but I also drink Advocar.
1: So. There you go. All right, we're properly off the rails here. So let's try and circle back just a little bit. Jimmy, so that's on- my,
0: that was one swear. I've done one swear. I think so it's one two. Swear.
1: I think it's two. Oh,
0: did I? What was the other one? <laughs> <laughs> well, Don't use that one of yours the, on me. It's,
1: yeah, It's the mystery one that we bleeped out. Oh yes, yes yeah. Okay, yeah. so two yeah. swears. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this comes from Jimmy on Twitter. He said, "What would you do if your kid supported your biggest rival?"
2: Mm. Oh, kind of. It, it's it's kind of real for me right now. Me. Um. So, my my. So I'm a United guy. Obviously, we've talked about this over and over. Well established for a while, and I don't know if he still is, but for a while, my my son really liked Mo Salah, my oldest, Shia. Hmm. So. I had to buy him a jersey. He's got the all white long sleeve one and he was like when when Liverpool won the title. This kid talks so much to everybody. <laughs> it was incredible. He we got to actually
0: was, hear Tim's disappointment in the show. Yeah, disappointment. Well. Always keep like, your mic live from now on. Was it, it, was, it was disappointment,
2: but at the same time, I'm talking about Liverpool and I'm talking about Mo Salah. So he had yeah. a confused state of, I got to plant this again, here we go. Um, but my kid talks so much trash to me and to everybody. And I'm like, I'm going to kill you. And then yeah. the other part was every time I beat Andrew Williams' Chelsea as a United fan, we've done bets. And one of the bets was I wanted the pink Manchester United with... Uh, Eric Cantona the seven on the back so he ended up sending it to me I won and he sent two Chelsea jerseys with Christian Pulisic on the back and so my boys are walking around the house repping USA captain Christian Pulisic and at the same time I've got to see Chelsea jerseys all day long so I'm one of those guys. I don't care. I I get so much heat, Tom. I don't know if you know this, but like, I'll tweet or I'll put up pictures, and my son would be wearing like an LAFC hat, or my other son would be wearing like an Atletico Madrid jersey, and I'd have people like basically questioning my fatherhood Uh. because I was allowing my kids to wear whatever they want. And guess what? My kids can do whatever they want.
0: Yes, Um, I I, I like the spirit of what you said, Uh, but if my (laughs) daughter became a supporter of Tottenham Hotspur mm. um, then I would have her adopted <laughs> and I I mean that's best case scenario mm. but I just think that I mean I have friends that support one team and their kids support another often it's they're a West Ham or Millwall fan or a Tottenham fan in fact but their kids support a team who are better like they became Man United fans because they were better in the 90s you know that yeah. sort of crap that I find utterly unacceptable um, You've got to be. To, I just think if you support a team properly, if you're in that country, then you need to be able to get there and go to see them. If you can't, then I just I, I think you're a rung below. And that's just my opinion on it. It's you know, different. If, you support, if you support a, like, you know, if, if you're a big NFL fan, for example, and you support a team, there's nothing you can do. We ain't got one. So you've got to pick a team and that's absolutely fine. But if you live near a team and you've decided not to support the team two miles away, but to support the team, 100 miles away because they win yeah i'm just not having it i'm not having that other countries i think is a whole other conversation but um i just think the disappointment is i have friends that are like fans of one team and they don't go to games with their kids because they support another team mm. and i think that's the thing and you know whatever may have you know transpired in our lives since or whatever i have incredible memories of going to see the amas with my dad as a kid and this is a very, very important thing to me and I think to a lot of people out there. And if I became a Man United fan because they were good in the 90s, like some of my friends did, A, pretty crap now, uh, but B, <laughs> you miss out on that thing. You know, that, you know when I see my brother-in-law, um, sorry, my, bro- my other brother-in-law is a Tottenham fan, but my other one is, a, my sister's husband's a West Ham fan. All her kids are West Ham fans. You know, the boys are kind of similar ages to your kids, my sister's kid, broadly, And we go to the West Ham games in the FA cup third round. And we go to the Moose cup games when there's tickets together and that sort of stuff. And you miss out on that for what? Because Liverpool might win a bit more. You know, I, I just think it's, it's not acceptable. Part of my identity is the team we support. Part of living in the area we live in is the team we support. If we move to Liverpool, I think it becomes a different conversation. But Mm. currently I get to West Ham in 20 minutes. I used to be, I get there in 15 minutes. Um, and I just think that's part of the Rennie family tradition. And that's, that's it kid. And if we have any more kids, I'm going to tattoo them inside, <laughs> inside the room they're born. They get tattooed <laughs> before I change the first nappy. And that's very quick guys. So you've got to practice.
1: I, I feel the same exact way about the, the Ravens that we joke about all the way here. Like mm. my kids in, in future will be Ravens fans. And if they're not, yes. Adoption. Uh, I hope final... they're Washington fans just for you. Yes. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh or Cleveland would be worse, but that's a whole separate conversation. Anyway, <laughs> final question we have here. Uh, this comes from Devin. Devin says, guys, your worst experience attending a match?
2: <laughs> oh, Renny, you go first on this one. I got to think about this.
0: I have a lot of worst experiences, but I think the worst, well, I've got two actually. One's Chelsea away, one's to Tottenham away. Which one do you want?
2: Let's go Tottenham away.
0: So Tottenham away. um, I actually have two Tottenham away stories because I've had a terrible time. Um, The first one, I went... uh, So I was going out with a girl um, and her dad was a Tottenham fan. So it went great. Hmm. And um, during the game, he was sort of texting me. It was the game where... Jermaine Defoe bit Javier Mascherano.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And so I was at
0: that game. And West Ham went on to lose 2-1. They were struggling that year. Um, And on my way into the ground, so it was a horrible experience going into the old White Hart Lane, if you were with the away fans. I had some great experiences, but some days it, it, it don't work out as you want. And we were kind of getting kettled about, and it was a real horrible atmosphere. And I was with some people who are not friends now. Uh, but it was a bit of a rough environment. Anyway, going into the, you get funneled into these horrible old sort of um, turnstiles and people are throwing coins at you. And so I was getting hit on the head with a barrage of coins, you know, and when they get luzzed up in the air, they hit you. And as I was kind of going in, I'd been hit by about 10 coins, <laughs> the raging ump. And so I kind of turned around this crowd and did my kind of swearing at people thing. And as I was in the midst of swearing at people, telling them, that I thought they should maybe leave the area quickly. Um, A bloke jumped over the crowd and punched me so hard in the face uh, that I actually, I I don't know if my jaw was, it wasn't broken, but it was so badly bruised that I couldn't like smile for like a week. It was such a hard, I've been punched quite a lot actually over the years. Not so much these days, but I have been punched in the face a lot. Um, Shocked. It really yeah. (laughs) You know a lot of the times it wasn't my I I would say 95% of the time it wasn't my fault. Hmm. Um
2: was it deserved though?
0: Well, not this one. No, I was just trying to get in the ground and I was trying to stop people throwing coins at me. Okay. And I was like, stop throwing coins at me. And when I did that, a bloke proper clocked me in the face. But I was like 15 and he was like 40. So it was sort of pathetic. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there was that which was awful, then I had to watch the game. Uh, with me, me facing massive pain. And then I basically got super drunk at a bunch of painkillers and sent a bunch of abusive texts to my then girlfriend's dad. It went downhill very quickly from mm. there. At
2: and 15. The other 15?
0: About that, yeah, 15-ish, oh, yeah. Okay. Something like that. Why?
2: Did, did he punch you as well?
0: No, no, thankfully. <laughs> I wasn't ever allowed that close to the house again. <laughs> um, and the other time at Tottenham, I went, my last visit to actual White Hart Lane, which is one of my favourite stadiums, by the way. I just loved it. I love White Hart Lane, Molyneux, Villa Park, all the kind of four-stand stadiums. Mm. Upton Park, before they built the West Stand in 2001, was amazing. Everything after that was crap uh, because they ruined the stadium and forgot to finish it. Um, So it was right, But it was great. Anyway, I went on a kind of media day with some friends and there was a great guy from ESPN I was sitting next to. We had a brilliant chat during the game. Uh, West Ham lost 4-0? And everyone knew I was a West Ham fan in this kind of winning executive box in the stand where the hardcore Spurs fans are. And uh, Tim, get ready. The Tottenham fans, as West Ham were losing 4-0, for the last 20 minutes were chanting, you're f***ing s***. You're uh, like the whole, the whole 20 minutes yeah. to the point where the people in the box were looking at me, singing it to me. <laughs> like, it's <was> my fault <laughs> that we'd signed like Victor Abinna or whoever <laughs> else we had at the time. So... Uh, like 20 minutes of like 40,000 people saying how bad I was mm. and the time that bloke nearly broke my jaw. <laughs> that's the, that's the worst too. That's amazing. And that's the top of the stories.
2: <laughs> so for me, Tom, I, every time I've been to England, I, I, I couldn't tell you that I had a bad time, even if my team or the team that I was, I, I was going to watch lost because when you're an American and you're over in England and you get the opportunity to step inside of a stadium, it doesn't matter if you're a neutral or a homer, it's just being a part of the environment and, and taking it all in. Um, and I've seen some great. I've seen some Tuesday and Wednesday nights in Europe at Anfield at at Old Trafford. I, I've been down at the Old Wembley and, and watched um, uh, the the Shield kicking off the season. Um, so I've been I, I've been lucky. I've seen a ton of games here in the states, obviously because of being a player and then being on the national team and then you know being on the on the television side. I don't often get the opportunity to be inside the stadium to just be a fan. Uh, but I can tell you as a teenager, late teenager, early 20s, going no, – it must have been late – teen I guess it would be like 20, 19, 20, 21 in that – 18, 19, 20 in that area. Going to the Rose Bowl or going to the Coliseum and watching U.S. Mexico for either international friendlies or World Cup qualifiers, Incredible. Incredible. And and I don't know what the equivalent would be for you, um, because these are just the these are just kind of the two regional powerhouses and we're the Americans, so we're never supposed to be good enough as the Mexican team and and the Mexican fans is we're never supposed to be good. So yeah, yeah, that probably yeah, that'd probably be close. Um
0: We've been at war with them off and on since 1200. Yeah, recognized, uh, so, duly, actually, duly noted. Then, like nine, when was the first French war? Like 800. <laughs> so, and we're doing it again now. So, yeah,
2: there you go. Um, yeah, it was t- Tom. It was just be being in that stadium and knowing that because your ethnicity is obviously recognizable, that you're not a Mexican fan. That the moment that Mexico scores a goal, beers are flying, stuff's going everywhere. And it's just kind of like an incredible time. So it's not, it's not even that it was a bad experience, even though you're caked with beer and the U S lost, it was just because you understood that Mm. it was like a next level of support. And even to this day, when Mexico plays in the United States, it's virtually a sellout wherever they go. Whereas we're still struggling, struggling to figure out as U S fans, uh, the right cost for tickets for U S fans to show up and then how to make it a home field advantage. Uh, but you didn't know if it was bags of piss, if it was quarters, or if it was beer, but <laughs> yeah. something was raining down on you the moment the U.S. played Mexico.
0: I've got to tell you this, only because you just you reminded me of it, and I, I love I to tell people how great this was, because that was almost like best worst, whereas mine was like, I got my jaw broke, but sure. Um, <laughs> fair enough, answer the question however you want. It's the mailbag. Uh, but I've got to mention a similar thing when I went to see England-Iceland, which remains my favorite worst experience of ever going to a football match ever, <laughs> Uh, In Nice, European Championship, Roy Mm. Hodgson, Iceland win. Uh, We had an amazing villa. There was like 19 of us up in the mountains, overlooking Nice, uh, our own pool. It was incredible few days. It took me three days to get there. So I was late by three days because there was a air traffic control strike over France. So my flight got cancelled at the airport. I missed the first couple of days. They were on the booze of like Tyson Fury. Like it was (laughs) wild. They had a great time um, during Tyson's super fat day. So, you know, fun. And, um, I got there late. Everyone had been there. So I'm trying to make up for what we've uh, missed out on on the day of the game. We all had England shirts on and masks of the men behaving badly actor, Neil Morrissey. I don't know why I can't explain it. If you don't know who it is, just, just, you go on the daily mail website and look for the game. You'll see Neil Morrissey's face in the crowd. That was us. I think that was our goal. Uh, and I had a friend that worked at the mail at the time who said oh, we could get in the Mal here. Anyway, we go to the game. Obviously, we've been drinking for hours and hours and hours. And it was just the greatest time because we sang the whole way. Uh, we partied with Icelandic people outside the ground until we got thrown out of the kind of island bit. And On the walk back to the coaches to get back to Nice, we basically sung this song. My voice sounded worse then than it does now. And we sung... Um... <laughs> Uh, a song about roy Hodgson. oh boy and it was um we're the worst effing team we've ever seen f of roy we're the worst effort and we sang this for this like 40 minute walk and there's like 19 of us and then the next bit was and the blue boys from iceland shot us down
2: <laughs> we sung it that's amazing
0: and we got i mean you could imagine you know i was there people similar to me were there we got everybody singing it i had some icelandic like kid on my shoulders singing it running him around the grass it was just and like there was some brazilian sort of like uh, you know steel drum band with us like uh, it was amazing it was england's biggest football humiliation since losing to the usa in 1950 uh but it was also the best worst experience i've ever had at the football similar to your thing that's awesome So, Dunny, he's back next week. Dunny's back next week. That's good news, I think. So, we'll get a full week in the tackle next week. I hope you enjoyed this week's program. I think we all enjoyed Tim being on the microphone. Uh, I hear the Ravens are great. That's what I hear about them. Uh, If you like this program, if you like this program, give us a five-star review. Um, and leave a, a written review as well. Lots of praise for Tom Rennie if you can. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts. Week in the Attacker is also available on the SXM app, free for most SiriusXM subscribers. Uh, just download it today and tap podcasts. For video clips of the show, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SiriusXMFC. Week in the Tackle is part of the SiriusXM podcast network and is produced by Tim Horsey. The executive producer is Pete Corey. Sound design was by Joey DeFazio. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM FC's program director, Joe Tollison.
1: SiriusXM Podcasts.